Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you, no matter where you are on your journey towards Christ. If you have questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitmiles.com. Thanks for listening. If you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the Old Testament, the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 4 is our text, so I encourage you to find that. Why you're doing that, uh, let me just help you again today. Many questions about the proposals that those of us in Michigan will be voting on in these next weeks. Uh, you have heard the ads about the proposals. I'll say it again, the ads are confusing. They're going to try and convince you uh, to do what they want you to do, but you have to be smarter than the smoke and mirrors of an advertisement. Um, a lot of ways to deceive people, and um, proposal three, I mentioned it last week, just briefly, you have to know what it says, and you need to know what it doesn't say. This is uh, a part of the Constitution, it's going to be adopted into the Constitution, whatever is approved, that is going to be interpreted by lawmakers and, and attorneys and judges, you have to know what it says and what it does not say, if you take the route of simpleton, You will not understand the implications of Proposition 3, and they are immense. So I want to encourage you. um, It's about more than abortion on demand. And by the way, that would would position Michigan to have one of the most liberal positions on abortion in the nation and, in fact, around the world, for that matter. And it goes way beyond that in opening up Pandora's box, in other words. It would generate many complicated problems that spin off of this constitutional change. Proposition 2 would make significant changes to uh, Michigan election laws. So again, do your homework on that. Um, Proposal 1 is one of those where it would amend Michigan's constitution, changing term limits for state legislators. So currently, you can uh, serve a a total of six years in the House. You could serve, uh, a person could also then serve eight years in the Senate for a combined total of 14 years. This proposal limits it to 12, but it allows a person to to serve those 12 years in the House or 12 years in the Senate. Most people don't take advantage of 14 years because they either serve in the House or the Senate. Not many of them serve in both, so they were limited to six and eight. This would would raise it to 12. Uh, You need to do your homework on that one just to make sure you know what you're doing. There are other implications for Proposal 1. But think, well, pray and think. Pray and think. Pray, pray, pray. Think, think, think. So, um, I have told you. You have a responsibility to to do what you can. Um, To help you, let me just offer this to you as well. There is a voter's guide, looks like this. It's out on the the back. Uh, This has to do with the Michigan governor's race. Um, that is by amillionvoices.org. This one is from Citizens for Traditional Values. It has to do with Prop 3, or Proposal 3, and some uh, of the, the, the state races. If you are on the app and you go to the hub, you can find a voting guide there that talks about uh, judges and appointees to boards and committees and, and all kinds of things. And it ranks uh, what, what people believe on certain issues. So encourage you to check that out in um, the web. 
All right, so I don't intend to preach long this morning. We, we finished last week a series called Praxis, um, trying to bridge that gap, close that gap between theory and practice. And um, I just want to encourage you to keep on putting into shoe leather, you know, work out your theology and put it out into shoe leather, live it out, practice what you preach so that what you believe also is matched by your behavior. Crucial stuff. Ecclesiastes today, now, when we, when we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, most scholars believe that Solomon uh, wrote Ecclesiastes. There's some evidence that it may have been edited some during the time of Hezekiah and Ezra. It's part of the Bible, the Old Testament, known as wisdom literature, along with the books of uh, Job and Psalms, Proverbs, uh, Song of Songs, those, those books of the Bible. King Solomon was King David's son. He took over for his father. He was appointed king. He, he, David had the vision for the, the temple, and, and Solomon is the one who, uh, who helped complete that. Um, verse 1, in fact, uh, if you go to... Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and notice um, verse 1, it simply says he identifies himself as uh, the son of David, king, uh, king in Jerusalem. Um, and so the, the identity of, of the author, what's interesting, if you go down to verse uh, 16 of Ecclesiastes, still in chapter 1, it simply says, I said to myself, look, I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I've experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. So here's, here's Solomon's, you know, remember, he asked, you know, what, God, said, what, what do you want? And Solomon says, he asked for wisdom. And you know that God has said he would give you wisdom too. If you ask him, if you're seeking wisdom, you need something. He said he, he would give wisdom to you, but Solomon was, was wise. We do well to listen to the teachings of this wise man. More importantly, we do well to hear and to heed the important teachings of, of God's holy word. Now, Ecclesiastes is about the diligent search for purpose and meaning and satisfaction in human life. The emptiness, the futility uh, of, uh, uh, of power, of possessions, of popularity, pleasure, apart from God. The futility of all of that is what is outlined in the book of Ecclesiastes. The word vanity appears more than 35 times in, in, this, uh, in this passage. All earthly goals and ambitions, when pursued as an end to themselves, lead to dissatisfaction and, and frustration. The, the term under the sun is, is an interesting term in Ecclesiastes. It's a phrase used more than 25 times. It, it's, you know, it talks about life that is filled with uh, inequalities and uncertainties in life and, and the changes that, that happen in fortune and the violations of justice. So the things that happen under the sun, the stuff of life, it's, it's, it's a book that helps us to identify with life. But in light of all of that, God is referred to throughout this book as the one person who can make sense out of all the vanity of this world. In fact, Ecclesiastes makes the point that looking for satisfaction in this world apart from God, it can, it can never be understood. You can never find satisfaction apart from God. 
The only search for meaning in life ultimately ends up with God. The book of Ecclesiastes gives an analysis of some pretty negative things. We're going to talk about some negative things here today, some negative themes that identifies in this passage. But then it also flips it and identifies some positive themes. So I want you to read with me Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Notice verse 1. Here's what it says. Again, I looked and saw all the oppression that was taking place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed, and they have no comforter. Power was on the side of their oppressors, and they have no comforter. And I declared that the dead who had already died are happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born, who has not seen the evil that is done under the sun. I'll just stop there long enough and say, that's a negative theme right there. There's some, you know, something bad's about to happen. That's some bad stuff happening. Watch this. So it, you would, it would be better to be dead. Say, listen, I, I declare the dead who had already died, to, to die would, you know, people, those people are happier than the ones that are still living. That's a mess. That's a hot mess, right? And to say the one who has never been born, you know, it's better, better than both of those people. To never been born would have been better to see what is done under the earth. That's a mess. Right? In verse 4, I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. And again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how? Can one keep warm alone? Though one may be empowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So just kind of a head snap there, right? It's like, whoa. Mess, mess, mess. And then those verses, 9 to 12. And now watch this in verse 13. Here we are back to a negative theme. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who no longer knows how to heed a warning. The youth may have come from prison to the kingship, or he may have been born in poverty within his kingdom. I saw that all who lived and walked under the sun followed the youth, the king's successor. There was no end to all the people who were before them, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor. This, too, is meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Now, The world that Solomon is describing here is not unlike the world that we live in today. Oppression was taking place. Those in power are lording it over the rest. When you would be happier dead than alive, there's a problem. Something, something is not good. And when the sentiment is that it had been better not to be born, then the evil in life has made life hard. By the way, you do know that 
life is hard, right? Life is hard. In this world, you will have trouble. But remember what Jesus said next? Don't, don't, never mind that. He said, I've overcome the world. Life is hard, but God is good. All right? And Solomon finally points out that God is good. So let me identify what's meaningless and what's meaningful. Uh, interesting enough, even though this was written so many years ago, it accurately, I think, describes people in our world today. Let me talk very quickly, just a few minutes that I have, about what is meaningless. I find it in verse 4, 5, and 6. First of all, he identifies meaningless by, by something that is just promotion or positions. This person is out for themselves. He's, he's describing people and situations in life. And so this person is someone who's out for themselves. They want to be promoted. They'll work the angles to get what they want, what they really, really want. They think the answer is the next promotion. They think they, they envy one who has a better position than they do. They think that if I get to the next level in my job, somehow I'm going to be happy. The next promotion is going to be my ticket to greatness and happiness, right? Promotion, positions. There's some people in life just, just chasing after that. And then, and then sometimes the world, in the world we experience what someone has described as the Peter Principle. You know, the, you're familiar with the Peter Principle in employment. Every position is given a hierarchy and eventually will be filled by employees who are incompetent, fulfilled job duties, you know, the job that they were doing. Um, people who are promoted to positions in which they become incompetent. Now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be promoted, and, and if you're qualified and you're capable, but always, what he's talking about here is always being unsatisfied with where you are. There's the problem. Passion and drive and desire to succeed and advance is a good thing, but we're warned that if that's the only goal, it's meaningless. If, if there's, no, there's no joy, there's no satisfaction, there's there's, there's no understanding that God has me here for, for right now. And, and, and yes, there's passions and there's plans and all kinds of things that, that God might do in my life. But if, if there's no contentment now, he said, the, the whole person who's just chasing after promotion and positions, he said it's meaningless. In verses 7 and 8, he identifies someone who is just chasing after prosperity or possessions. He said that's meaningless too. Now this person might have a lot going for him. They're independent, they can live however they want to, they have a job, they have money, they, they have all, all those things going, but the problem here is that it comes with a high price. First, it seems that, that you know, there will be no end to the toil. It's a rat race. How many of you, how many of you know what a rat race is? You know who's in a rat? a rat? Rats are in a rat race. When people join the rat race, there's a mess, Right? He's talking about pushing hard, pushing hard. Um, you know, the satisfaction with what you have, again, is, is, is never there. No matter what you have or earn, it's never quite enough. And the person also may be successful, but they don't have anyone to enjoy their life with. They've, they've just focused on, on things and stuff. Their focus is self. There's no end game. Why am I doing this? The, the question is, why, what, who am I doing this for? And the writer here simply says, you know, this is also vanity. It's, it's an unhappy business, an unhappy, a miserable business. Now, ironically, we talked about work last week. 
Right? You remember that from last week? Tell me you remember that from last week. So we talked about the value of hard work. And, and, but if you center your life and your identity around work and your career and you become a, a driven workaholic, you become a, you'll become a, ba- a boring and shallow person. You're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family. He said, it's meaningless. It's, it's meaningless. If that's your focus, you're going to be tempted at whatever cost to do whatever it takes to get ahead. And so then you sacrifice relationships. You sacrifice integrity. You sacrifice morals over the chance to make a buck. He said, that's meaningless. Meaningless. It's prevalent in our culture today. You work hard to not be enslaved to debt and then turn around and get enslaved to stuff. Notice in verses 13 through 16, there's another portion of meaninglessness, and that has to do with popularity and pride. There's a person who stopped listening to anyone around them. They think they know it all. As a result of not listening, they become ineffective and sometimes irrelevant. Now, when he talks about, in those verses, a wise youth, uh, you know, and, and an old foolish king, and in the context of Solomon's writing, it ma- makes my mind go immediately to King Saul, who was a predecessor to King David, who was Solomon's father. And so King Saul was anointed by God. He was effective as a king in, in, over Israel and and yet there was a point in time where David began to emerge. And from the time of uh, Goliath, you know, his entering on the scene with the story of David and Goliath, David, you know, having a great victory over the, over the, the Philistines, the stories went on of David and his fighting. So they would say, well, Saul has killed his thousands. David has killed his tens of thousands. And Saul began began to get jealous and envious and instead of listening to other people he instead you know consulted mediums and and his life took a turn in fact he he got so angry with david it was you know the the competition in his mind he was envious he hunted david down to kill him and then eventually david was anointed king in place of king saul the people followed david a great king a man after god's heart but notice Solomon as he looks at all that. He says, my, my dad went through all that. And he said, even with all of that, he laments. Even after a great following of an old king and a new king, he said people eventually wander off because they didn't like what was going on. Solomon said, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. It's not just about popularity and pride and, and, and prestige. He said, it's not about all that. In the end, he said, your friends will leave you because they're not true friends. They're just fans for the moment because you serve them well. He said it's meaningless. This is just a mess that he's describing. By the way, when it comes to your Facebook friends, those aren't really your friends. I mean, you know that, right? I have... You know, you said, well, I have 473 friends. No, you don't. No, you don't. You have that number of people who follow you along, but those who came later were not pleased with the successor, and 
This too is meaningless. In life, you'll be lucky to have two or three good friends. You have friends who, who are in a, in a group around you, but to have two or three good friends, people like he's talking about, he said, to think that, you know, that, that somehow being popular, and you know, that's what happened in third grade. You know, around the, the merry-go-round where, you know, somebody would, would be the popular kid or, you know, the, the popular kid would say, well, listen, recess today, we're all playing kickball. We're all playing kickball. You know, if someone said, hey, uh, recess today, it's not kickball. You know, we're, we're going to go over here on the, on the swings. Guess what? We were all over on the swings. That was third grade. It's amazing in grade school and high school, that still goes on in high school, it goes on in college, I'm sure it goes on. What's, what's kind of embarrassing is that people are still chasing after that kind of stuff when we're adults. Just, he said it's meaningless, it's just meaningless. So what are the things that are meaningful in four minutes and 56 seconds? Here's what's meaningful, a positive piece. Notice verses nine through 12. Here's people, here's people in genuine community. Look at the positive side of having someone that you can count on. Here's the benefits. A better way. A better way is investing in people. Investing in people. Not everybody, but somebody. Develop a friend, a partner, someone you can trust. Here's, here's the better way. Focus on people. First of all, notice what he says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. You see... Here's, here's why it's better. Two, two people working together produce more than twice what they could alone. Do you have somebody in your life who, who can walk with you and work with you, someone that can help you see what you're missing, help you with your weaknesses, you're vulnerable enough with them that, that they also you know, can share those things with you, but then also say, listen, you're really good at that and you need to pursue this. And one of the things that's interesting, this whole idea of a good return, you know, when, I, when you win, one of the things I love about fall college football is when you watch a team win and, and they all run together and they jump together and they go see their fans together and look, I mean, 50 years from now when they're in a rocking chair sitting on a porch in some nursing home gumming themselves to death, they're going to be telling the story. Do you remember that day when we beat such and such a team, right? You have someone to share that with. It's that whole idea of a good return for your labor. Notice you also have help if they fall. You have help up if they fall. When we need someone um, and help, someone is there to help us. Being alone is fine until you need someone. Being alone is fine until you need someone. Then it's the pits. Have you ever been alone? Stuck, calling for help. I've told you, there's, there's a couple stories, there's multiple stories, but, and I've told you some stories of being stuck in the muck. Um, Dad, I can go feed the cows on my own, and so I go, I walk through the cow lot to feed the cows. Of course, back in the day, um, you know, knee, boot, knee boots on a man came up past my knees. And I remember walking out to, the, you know, to, the, to feed the cattle. And I knew I could do it by myself if I could get there. The problem is I didn't get there. I, had, I, was, I was standing in, in goop 
um, that was starting to come over the top of my boots. You know, I don't know how many pounds of suckage it was, but there was no pulling your foot out. I was stuck. I needed help. I wasn't going anywhere. Being alone is fine until you need some help up. Safety in numbers. We always told our kids to buddy up. Do you know that someone has your back? Help if you fall. Notice a better way in investing in people. Keep, keep warm when it's cold. There are times when the cold world will get you. There's not talking about a married couple here specifically. It's talking about needing someone in a hard time. A few months ago, men's ministry, we had a survivalist come. He shared with the men different survival techniques and those kinds of things. And One of the tasks that we had was we went out into the woods back here in the property, and we had to build a fire, no matches. Now, when I build a fire, I prefer accelerants. Um, I, do, I do know how to safely start a fire. Um, a blowtorch is nice. Uh, diesel kerosene, it works. But I like the woof of, of gasoline at time. And so I, that's how you start a fire in my book. Well, out there, we're, we're, we, all we have is a, you know, some, uh, um, you know, we had, we had to go out and find our own uh, uh, kindling we had to we had to do all that we create our own kindling and just with a with a knife and a flint we had to create spark in fact at one point he taught us how to use a, a bow and friction you know and the and 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 create a, an ember and then we're you know trying to create our fire and starting our fire and one of the things that was interesting is he said now guys um you have this skill talk to many of the men and the boys in our church you have this skill and you need to practice it you need to continue to practice it and so i think I think we were supposed to do it, I don't think it was weekly, but at least once a month, you need to go out and you need to start a fire so you know how to do that. I guarantee you, there ain't nobody done that. All right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't have anybody defy me this morning in first service either. We all learned how to do it. No, by the way, that reminds me of what happens. This is a praxis moment. When... when you have what you know, and you don't use it, and you don't practice it. You, you see, there's, there's a problem, right? Anyway, he's teaching us survival skills. We were able to ask him some questions, and he told us a story. By the time he was on the mountaintop, he was mountain climbing. It was really cold. It was bitter, and they got stranded. It was multiple days that they were stranded on a mountain in, in freezing conditions. And there was a woman who did not follow the instructions she had. In fact, she, she didn't do what she was supposed to do. And, and, and buddy up, and she froze to death in her tent. I don't remember all the specifics about that, but she ended up freezing to death because she had no one to keep her warm. There's a better way than just chase, chasing after things, and it's with people. Notice there's another way. He said, defend themselves and not be over... Um, Powered in verse 12. Two can defend themselves. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three is not easily broken. The place in Scripture says a one can put a thousand to flight. Two, you would think, well, they could put two thousand to flight, but no, there's you know, ten thousand, it says, to flight. Defend themselves and not be overpowered. Times in your life when your life depends on someone else. Vulnerability of being alone is a dangerous predicament. There's protection and community. I'm going to invite the team to come. They need to get moving this way. There's a better way. Solomon said, 
There's a lot of stuff that is meaningless. Chasing after possessions and prestige and power, positions, all of those things. He said, there's a better way. It's people. I want to challenge you in these days. A couple things, just some very practical steps. I've been amazed at the number of things that this fall you as a a family, a, a body, a church have had the opportunity to take advantage of. Men's and women's ministries have been working so hard to connect people. And so there's women's Bible studies um, during the day, some at night. There's men's Bible studies and prayer times. Uh, one, six o'clock in the morning for men. They meet six to seven. They're off on their way to work. Seven o'clock. There's pure desire. That group. There's grief share and divorce care. There's events with women to get to know each other and some of it is fellowship. It's that first step to invest in people. And With men, there's been all kinds of events. There's more events coming up to, to connect with others. There's been uh, date nights. You have an opportunity to go on a date with your spouse girlfriend, your boyfriend, you're there and you can engage with people. There's a a better way. I'm going to encourage you to take advantage of those opportunities and be a part of the church in that way. But let me ask you this question. Do you have someone in your life who can help you be all that God intended you to be? Do you have someone in your life like that that can speak into your into your life? Do you have someone in your life who knows you well enough to know when you need help? You might not even know you need help, but they know you do. Do you have someone in your life that can encourage you and bless you and comfort you and enjoy life with you? You have someone who has your best interest at heart and will work to make sure that you don't have to go it alone. You see, community is critical to success. It is critical to safety. It is critical to survival. It is critical to security. He said a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I've told you about some of my friends every Sunday morning and this morning was no exception I got a text from a friend one friend down in Florida told me that he loved me shared some scripture with me another friend up in Port Huron sent a text to me today and said hey listen I'm cheering for you another friend in Indiana said His text to me this morning is, give him Jesus. There's a better way. Solomon lived, he had everything there ever was. Um, He had 
anything. He had wine, women, and song. He had wealth. He had position. He had power. He said, it's all meaningless. So I'm reminded today of relationships. There's a relationship you have that's vertical. And here's that gospel, the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about it today. We, we celebrate it today in communion. And then there's a horizontal relationship that you and I have with one another. This journey through life is not just so you can get to the other end, but you have relationship with other people. And God is wanting to use you. As you go out and become the church in the world, he wants to use you. There's a better way. Focus on people. Lord, help us in these moments of our life to, to go after the things that are not meaningless, that are meaningful. That you've made us, created us for relationship and, and intimacy with you and with others. And I pray, God, that you would help us as a body to walk together. And Lord, sometimes we think that the world's going to see us do something important or say something neat. Or, but your word says that they will know uh, that we're followers of Christ because we love each other. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to that end. Give us grace in these days, in these things, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world.